All right, that is Philippians chapter number four and verse six and seven. We, we want to just read that and we're done. God, this is what God says for us to do. Number one, he said, don't worry about anything. Say it with me. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank him for all he had done. How many go, how many gonna really get into that, right? Because now watch what happened when you do your part. Look at the next verse. The verse verse says, uh, in verse number seven, it says, then. See, now what's gonna happen then? Then you will experience God's peace. That's what you want to do every day. You experience God's peace. And then it says, which exceeds anything we, we understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ. Come on, let's give him a big hand. We got people who are watching us this morning. Good morning for those people watching us. We, we want to thank God and continue to watch. Thank you for watching our program. Wherever you are this morning, we have, we have people watching us all over, but we are so grateful to watch us on this morning. Facebook, on our podcast, our social media networks, thank you so very much. All right, you can be seated. Let's get our Bibles. Let's get right into God's Word. Now, this morning, we are teaching you on the temple of God. And the reason why we are teaching you on the temple, because that's who we are. Look at 1 Corinthians while you're there, you have to know why Paul gave us 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, two books, as a matter of fact. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 16 and 17, which we've already taught on. We have already taught. We are on part number 13 now. Uh, my wife, uh, first lady, talked last week at the uh, 11 o'clock services on the ministry of rest, rest, restoration or reconciliation. Thank God for that. That everything has been restored back to us in Christ. All right. So we can see that. So uh, this morning, we are talking about this morning, the tree of life. But we want to talk about this morning, where is the tree of life? Say it with me. Where is the tree of life? Now, that's what we're going to show you this morning. Now, watch what it said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and two verses, verse 16 and verse 17. We're going to do that on the King James Version right now. He says, know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you. You are. All right. While you're there in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, back up to verse number 9. Now, in, in one of our Bibles, my daughter Sandra told me she found in the English Bible. I don't know if you can put that up now in the English Bible. I will wait for you. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. I think that's the one that said, and also I think the Amplified says it. But we have a couple of several editions that already show that word, for uh, you are labor, we are labor together, King James said. We labor together with God. You are God's husbandry and you are God's building. But we only show you this, that same word again. It says, we are only God's co workers, you are God's garden. Come on, say it with me. Say, I am God's garden. All right, so we can see if you are God's garden, then you, we ought to get some out of this service. You are God's garden, not our garden. You are God's building. Come on, say, you are God's garden. Say, I am God's garden. I am God's building. Right, so when you say, uh, 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 I'm God's building, that's the same word as God's temple. I'm the place God lives. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. All through here, he's talking about who we are. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And look, look at verse number 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. We are back to the King James Version again. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. He continued to tell the church who they are. You'll never change. You'll never be who you're supposed to be until you realize who you are. Tell me who I am. That's how you discipline a child. You tell them who they are. When you see them acting a certain way, you just tell them that's not who you are. My grandson, I always tell him like that. You don't know who you are yet. Because if you know who you are, you would act like that. That's not you. That's not who you are. You're royalty. You're a child of the living God. 
See, that's not you. See, a lot of things you do, you do that because that's not you. You don't know who you are. Once you find out who, who Christ is, you find out who you are. And that's why we teach Christ in this place. Amen? All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse number 19. Paul said to the church, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Watch this. Which is in you? When he say which is in you, he's talking about in your soul. Why? You are bought with a price. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your spirit and in your body, which you belong to God. So we have to understand that this is where God lives. All right, now let's go, to, let's go to two more. I want to show you Old Testament. This has been fulfilled in Christ. And that's Ezekiel chapter 36. I, I want to give you one solid hour word. I want to give you so much word until when you stand up, you'll burp. You know, that's how we do. We eat, when we go to restaurants, we eat so much until we don't know how full we are until we stand up, then we burp. Oh, that was good. Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse number 26. We're going to look at 26 and 27. This is what God says uh, to the people in the new covenant. He says, a new heart. Now remember, you don't, the word heart means your soul. You don't have the same soul. You're a new creation. If we ever understand that, once you get born again, you are not the old, I'm not, I'm not the old Earl Crump. I'm not Duke, Duke, Duke. That's not me no more. <laughs> That's who I was. See, I'm a new creation in Christ. I am a new man. I have a new soul. So you got to understand a new, crea new creation means you have a new heart, new soul. Watch this. Exodus, I mean, say, Ezekiel 36, 26 says, a new heart, see? Also, what I give you, a new spirit, what I put within you, and I would take away from the, I would take away the stony heart out of your flesh. That's what he did. And I will give you a heart of flesh. Otherwise, I'm going to take the old heart, I'll give you a new heart. And verse 27 says, and I would put my spirit within you. And that's what God did to me. He said, I hope he did it to every one of us. That's how we know we're born of the spirit. I would put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. So there's no way we can obey God's word until he do that. So that's why I'm saying you have to always make sure you have God's Holy Spirit. And that's why I'm ministering the word of God to you today. Uh, it's very, very easy. Let me show you how simple it is. Let me show you that. My wife, you always like to quote this, but let me, let, uh, she, she's a teacher too, so let's go to the book Ephesians, and let's show you a verse in Ephesians uh, chapter 1. From the book Ephesians chapter number 1, we're going to look at uh, uh, verse 13. That's where he started talking to the Gentiles. Uh, first he reminded the, the church of God, then he went into the Gentiles, verse 13, he says, In whom also you trusted. After you heard the word of truth. Now, the word of truth is the gospel. The next verse told you it's the gospel of your salvation. That's why the gospel of Christ is the gospel of our salvation. In whom also after you believe. Now, that's your part. After you believe, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So my job is to preach to you Christ and him crucified, his death, bed, and resurrection. And once you believe that. So that's why the cross, you know, I, I say this all the time. We, every church I've gone to, I'm from the country of Mississippi, plantation, cotton field, you know what I mean? And every church I've gone to had a cross on the top of that church. I mean, you go inside, you see a cross. We have a cross there, uh, one of our ministers that used to be with us, Minister Warren. Some of y'all remember Minister Warren? Okay, he the one made that cross for us. That's why we got it there to remember him by. And I hope his wife down in Texas, Gloria Warren, is listening to us right now. All right, but anyway, he the one gave us that cross. That's why we put it there. We wanted to remember him by that. All right, and so this is what you must understand. It says, in whom also you trusted after you heard the word of God, you heard the gospel of your salvation, but you heard the word of truth, which is the gospel of Christ. After that, you believed, and when that happened, you were sealed. Your soul, your soul was sealed. The word sealed means ownership. So anytime somebody makes something, they seal it, that means they own it. Now, 
uh, ownership. It says that you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So the Holy Spirit seals uh, your spirit, your soul, which is the honest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of the glory of God. And that soul stays sealed through eternity. All right? That's how you know you're saved because you have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit has sealed your soul. That means you are in Christ and Christ in you. All right? Now, with that all in mind, we are talking about today, where is the tree of life? I gave you three verses. Let's go through them quickly because I got to get to my today's teaching. Let's go to the book of Genesis chapter 3. Uh, the last three verses in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter number 3. This is after Eve, Adam, had eaten of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Uh, and verse 22, we saw how they were saved. Verse 21 said, and, and unto Adam and to his wife did the Lord make coats of skin. Well, if you make coats of skin and clothe them, that was now their righteousness, which would be Christ. Uh, the coats of skin represented the lamb. That's what you get the coats of skin from. And verse 22 says, And the Lord says, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest I put forth his hand, lest he put forth his hand and take also, there it is, the tree of life. Watch what he's going to do. Eat and live forever. He didn't tell you to do anything else but one word, eat. The word eat means receive and the same word means to hear and believe. So that's why when Jesus came, we're going to show you that. That's what Jesus told them. If you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have everlasting life. And so that's what we get life from. You don't get life from baptizing people. And that's what we were taught in our lives that we show, we're supposed to get baptized. And we, we learned that because that was the doctrine of the church that we went to. When you go to a church, a church has doctrine. That means that if you're going to be this church, this is what you do. See? So that's why there's so many churches, because every church do differently. Some churches believe you're saved when you're water baptized. Some churches believe you're not saved until you're water baptized in Jesus' name. Then some believe you're saved when you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. None of that's right. You're not saved. You were only saved at the cross. 2,000 years ago, uh, we'll show you that if we get to it, you can write it down. That's Ephesians chapter 2, uh, 1 through 10. That's how you're saved. By grace are you saved. Otherwise, Christ died on the cross and saved us 2,000 years ago. You don't do anything today to get saved. You receive salvation. Get last week teaching. My wife did an excellent job on the ministry of reconciliation. All right. Amen. Give a big hand. You did a really good job. All right. Now, watch what it said. We're back in verse 22, Genesis chapter number 3, verse 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is becoming one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and eat and eat of it, take of the tree of life, eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man... And he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubim. Somebody say angels. Right. Those were two angels, cherubim. And the Bible said they had flaming swords, not swords, one sword, flaming sword, which turned every way. And what they were there to do was keep the tree of life. All right. That's what they did. That's the first picture that God gave us of where the tree of life is. So that's why we are talking about today. Where is the tree of life? Now, it's not back there in the garden. So let's go to the next book, which is Exodus. And we're going to show you in Exodus chapter 25. And we want to look at, uh, I'm sorry, we're going to stop at chapter 24 first. Exodus chapter 24 first. And we want to show you it's not, it's not in the garden. Because if it was, we would have to go all the way to Israel. We would have to go to the Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden... We have to understand, I, 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 I'm really in, in, in my spirit, I don't know if God's going to allow me to do this, but I want to teach on the trees of the garden. May not be able to do it in this series. Because the trees of the garden is not what you think. It's not what you see out those. They are kings. See, you have to understand, when God created the Garden of Eden, 
there was a river, the water, all the water flowed from the Garden of Eden, and they went into four rivers. And he named them. So hopefully if he allowed me to do that, I'll do that. But, you know, right now, I don't think we're ready for that. We got a long ways to go. All right. In Exodus 24 and verse 12 first, he says, And the Lord said to Moses, Come to me in the mount and be there. Now, I like the way God talks. Otherwise, don't be goofing around. I mean, I need you on a certain time. You know, that's, you got to tell people, be there. That's how God talks. Come up in the mountain. Be there on a certain time. And I will give you, I will give you tables of stone, a law and commandments, which I have written. Now, you have to understand, there were two. The first one, this one God wrote, they, Moses broke because of their rebellion. That's how we're going to get into the tabernacle. All right? So that I may teach them, God says. So watch what he said to Moses. I have written that thou may teach them. So Moses' responsibility was to teach them the law of God, in which he did. The law of God was their righteousness that they would demonstrate when they go into the other countries. That's what God wanted to do. See, God didn't want his people to be ignorant when they went into the promised land, saying, I know God. You know, so when we live a life opposite of what we say, we confuse people. Amen. We're saying we know God. Amen. And they see what we do. Just like, how do you know God? Are uh, you really sure? All right. Now let's go to chapter 25. So in Exodus chapter 25, watch what God said in verse 8. In verse 9, those two. Watch what it says. And let them make me, all this stuff before was everything they took up from the people until they had to say we, don't, we can't use no more. So in verse 8 says, and let them make me a sanctuary. Somebody says Sanctuary. Now, that's what God wanted the people to make him. Let them make me a sanctuary. What was the purpose of the sanctuary? The word sanctuary means church. We're not there yet. Because remember, uh, when God built the tabernacle, he had two rooms. One room was for God and one room was for the church. Or one room was for God and one room was for the woman. If you can understand me. Okay. The church could only be in the holy place. God lived in the holy of holies. Everybody understand how they go? All right. So here he said, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. See, in the old covenant, God dwell among them. But with us, Christ in you, Colossians 1.27. He doesn't dwell among you. He dwells in you. So you have to understand. Say, Christ lives in me. Right. That's what we want to understand. So if you get to a place to realize that Christ lives in you. You are the very house of God. You're the very temple of God. See, God does not live in temples made with hands. Ain't that right? All right, let's go show you that. Now, you froze on me. Let's go to book Acts. See, you got to understand, we are not only teaching in here, we are teaching the world, I would say. In Acts chapter number, you'd be surprised how many people want to know the truth. The book of Acts chapter 17, let's go back there. See, this is what happens so many churches. They think that God lives in the church. So they, they think they leave God behind when they go home. So, all right, we've been to church now. We can do what we want to do. But you didn't leave God at home, my friend. God came with you when you came to church. As a matter of fact, he was with you last night. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 17. Now, let's start at verse 22. Okay, do 22. All right, in verse 22, then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, you men of Athens, what would Paul say to them? I perceive you are too superstitious. Talking to church folk. I passed by and behold your devotion and I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Whom therefore you ignorantly worship." Him declare I knew you. Verse number 24. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not, dwelleth mean where he live, 
He dwelleth not in temples made with hands. God doesn't live in a temple made with hands. And then he says, see, people are telling you, this is what they tell you in churches. Oh, yeah, we're going to, when the Lord come and we're going to go over here to uh, uh, Jerusalem and we're going to be with, the, what you going to go there for? That's not what the Bible teaches us. He said, he dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with me in hands. He's not worship with me in hands no more. Let me show you what, how he worship. Look at, go, go to John chapter 4. We're we, we going to get to our message. See, it's not, he's not worship with me in hands. See, we think, man, this really got me. I had a problem when I was growing up in church. And, uh, and I would see people, uh, especially when you watch television, uh, every now and then they would do this. And I'm sitting, I'm going like, well, when do I supposed to do that? And then you have some like, I didn't know, do I supposed to, I didn't know when I supposed to do it. So I kept watching them like, okay. Because I feel like they put my hand up, I'm not worshiping. How, how, many, how many know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all won't say nothing, but you were there too probably. So I didn't, I didn't know when I was supposed to worship. But God not worship with the hands. Just because you raise your hand, don't raise your hand on worship God. That's not how God worship. That's not how you worship God today. Look at John chapter 4. And let's go to those Jews that Jesus talked to. In John, the Gospel of John chapter 4. Uh, and let's start reading verse 4, 20. We're headed to our message. John 4, 20. Our father worshiped in this mountain. This is what the woman said. Because they really did. They had a mountain they worshiped God in. And the Jews had worshiped God in the temple of Jerusalem. So he says, our father worship in this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem, and he did, is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain worship God, when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet Jerusalem worship the Father. There will come a time you're not going to worship God in Jerusalem, you're not going to worship God in no mountain. Why? You worship, you know not. We know what we wish of salvation of the Jews. Otherwise, that's why Jesus came through the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father, watch this, in spirit and in truth. You're going to worship God how? In spirit and in truth. Why did he say that? Because God does not look on the outward appearance, remember? God looks where? God looks at the heart. That's why I gave you Ezekiel uh, 36, 26. God said, I give you a new heart. I give you a new spirit. Why? Because that's what he looks at. So when, when, when you had the, uh, David was chosen as king, and the man chose the tallest man. And that's when God says, look not on his outward appearance. God does not look on the outward appearance of people who worship. That's not what he looks at. He looks at the heart. Because when you're true worshipers, you worship God in spirit and in truth. Give the Lord a big hand with his foot. Thank you so much. All right. Now we're going to get into the word of God. I gave you uh, places. I gave you the first place in Genesis chapter number 3, verse 25, that the ark was in the Garden of Eden. Then I showed you in, in Exodus, let's go back there, in chapter 28 and verse number 18. They built a tabernacle. And in that tabernacle, they call the Ark of the Covenant. Matter of fact, let's show you, for, let's show you in, in uh, chapter 9 in the NLT. Let's go there. In uh, Hebrew 9, 1 through 4. Let's go straight there now. Hebrew chapter 9, verse 1 through 4. So we have to understand in Hebrew chapter 9, verse 1 through verse 4. Hebrew chapter 9, verse 1 through 4. Let's go there first. We're going to read that out to NLT. NLT means New Living Translation. From the book of Hebrews, chapter 9. Verse 1 through verse 4. The first thing he gave us in Hebrew was all of the natural things that they had in the churches of how they worship God. And people don't realize that. I, I got people, bless their heart, they think Pastor Crump broke the... The greatest sin there is because he ain't serving communion in the church. Or he's not baptizing the church. But people don't understand this was the Old Testament way of worshiping God. 
I just showed it to you. God's a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You must have the spirit and the word to worship God. And people are not giving people the word or they give them a 15-minute sermon. I'm here to give you the word. That's my responsibility. It's to teach you the Bible that you have in your hand. My job is to have you so interested in the Bible when you leave here, you go home and you study at home again. Somebody say amen. There's not many people can teach the Bible. I'm saying that because it took me, I, this is my 37-year pastoring, and I'm still looking for people who's supposed to be teaching me the Bible. Not many people know the Bible. They know their religion, they know their tradition. And that's what most people teaches you. I, I used my sister right here on the front and her husband last week from Wisconsin, right here. And I, her husband is a church, from the Church of God and she's a Baptist. I told him it took God to keep them together. I didn't say that to put her down. That's, you know, my, one of my daughters there. You know, God, when, when people come here from a, and leave their states and whatever they come here, my wife and I, we treat you like father, mother and father. That's what we want to set the example of, of mother and father in the church. Because that's what I got from my past. Amen. I learned. I had two pastors. And uh, I had Pastor E.P. E. Powell from Mississippi who pastored 50 years. And I have Pastor in Pontiac, uh, Pastor Amos G. Johnson. You know, not just Johnson. When he, Amos G., he did that piece passed also 50 years. Tremendous legacy. Man of God, I admired. That's the man that married my wife and I, 54 years ago. And so he set a tremendous example, he and Margaret Johnson, Mother Johnson. So this is what got us going. I had somebody in my life who set an example as a father. So that's why when I saw that, when in, my wife and I go through anything, he called us in. She takes Sister Crump in the room with her. We go to the house. He takes me and says, no, son, you come on with me. That's how they used to do it, right? They, she, Margaret would take her, and when they, we meet back up together. See, I learned that from them. They was a tremendous example of a husband and wife in ministry. Tremendous. Father. You don't have many fathers. All right. Let me move on. Now, in Hebrew chapter 9, verse 1, that first covenant, so you have to understand that's the old covenant. The first covenant was between God and Israel. See, God never told me, where are my two angels at here? My two angels, archangels here. Uh, bring my, uh, yeah, there they go. I got, I got, I got Jeremiah. Jeremiah. You watch, you watch Jeremiah. That's exactly how that man said on the movie when you watch Jeremiah, when Jeremiah kept on doing something naturally and God did not want him to do that no more. Uh, they, Jeremiah, on the Old Testament, they had an Old Testament ritual and Jeremiah wanted to do that because his, dad, his daddy wanted to do that because his daddy was an Old Testament priesthood. But Jeremiah was a New Testament prophet, spiritually speaking. And he told him, that young man on this side named Noah, so we got Noah and Jeremiah, what a couple. <laughs> they should be bringing the ark, right? Give him a big hand. All right. These guys are going to help us out today. Amen. All right. Thank you very much. I used to have my brother right here on, on the camera every now and then, but I see he retired, Jeremiah. We got to get him back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we are all right. I thought about Gene. I thought about a brother named Gene Gooden. Gene Gooden used to be one of our ushers until Kathy came. <laughs> have no usher no more. All right. But anyway, here's the first covenant. That first covenant was between God and Israel. It's on the screen. It had regulations for worship. Regulations, see? It's in a place of worship here on earth. They had regulations, then they had a place. There were two rooms in that tabernacle. The first room was a lampstand. Told you what was in there. We're not on that part yet. They had the lampstand was in there, the table, the sacred loaves of bread on the table. See, they had all of that, but we think we're supposed to have that today. That's not us today. 
And then it says, this room was called the holy place, which was the church. There was a curtain, and behind the curtain was a second room called the most holy place. I'm talking about the most holy place because this is the first part they built was the most holy place, and they built the Ark of the Covenant, which we're talking about today. And that room was a golden incense. That's a place for prayer. And then next was a wooden chest. That's what we have here. A wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant, which was covered with gold on all sides. Inside the Ark was a gold jar. We don't have that, but I'm going to show you what it means. There was a gold jar containing manna. Somebody said manna. Right, that was in the gold jar. And then it had Aaron's staff, or Aaron rod that sprouted leaves, or Aaron rod that budded. And then it's going to say the third thing was the stone tablets of the ark. They put the stone tablets of the, what Moses, God had made to Moses, the Ten Commandments, called the stone tablets. All right. Now those things were the three things in the ark. So we're going to show you how they got there. And go show you what they meant. Because today we're going to go, we're going to go into what was inside. Now I already showed you uh, the first two. I didn't go to John chapter, John chapter 20. Let's do that first. Guys, you want to take a seat because I'm going to have to, you're going to be up a while. John chapter 20. We'll get you back over there. We'll get you back over John chapter 20. Two of my sons here. Mr. Luke. You know, maybe he don't remember. He gave me a prayer. I said, pray for my parents. Lucas, right? Pray for him this morning. All right. Now, John chapter 20. And we're going to show you the, the third one. So we showed you two places already where they had the Ark of the Covenant. Here it is in John chapter 20, verse 11. I want to do this one because this is going to take us into the message. In John chapter 20, verse 11, we're going to read out the King James. Jesus has already died, but now early that morning, Mary Magdalene had come to the temple. You in verse 11. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. Now, this is the third thing that I'm showing you. A whole thing is where the tree of life. If I go all the way back to Genesis, the tree of life was in the Garden of Eden. Is that right? All right, remember we got a lot of folk out there watching us. So you're saying amen for them, you know. All right. I said the tree of life was in the garden of Eden. So my point was the tree of life was in the garden. But in the new covenant, we got a new garden. That's why I read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 3, right? Verse 9, you are God's garden. So if you're the garden, then where, where is the tree of life? That's what I mean. And you have to know what's the tree of life and who is the tree of life. Colossians 1.27 said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So I have to know that Christ is the tree of life in you. Now that's what you got to get out of when you hear somebody stand up in a pulpit and say you got to be water baptized to be saved. See, something only go off. What do that have to do with my salvation? If you wash off my flesh, how are you going to get the tree of life in my heart? Not going to happen. Impossible. But people are teaching that all over. And doors are, they're adding to the churches. The church is too small to have a big one. Because the folks that are coming from other churches who believe in water baptism are coming over there to your church to cry because they think that's how they say. But what happened is, as a pastor, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not into that. My point is, I'd rather have you than to have y'all. See, we got a 300 can sit up there if they wanted to. And everybody die and go to hell. See, you know what I like about Noah? No, 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 no offense, okay. <laughs> Noah had, out of Noah, there was only eight people saved in that dispensation. Now, we're talking about enough people that's more than we got on the earth today. People don't realize that. More than what we have on earth today, and only eight folk were saved. 
And that was Noah, his wife, and his three sons and their wives. Now that's an awesome thing to know how all those people don't eight folks are saved. What an awesome thing. So in John chapter 20, and verse 12 says, when she looked into the sepulcher, I like to say into the Holy of Holies because that's what Christ was. And she see two angels, okay, angel, come on guys, sitting one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Had lain. Remember, he wasn't there. Remember the angel said, He's not there. So they were there guarding the presence of the Lord, the angels. But they was waiting there to keep the way of the tree of life. Now, Jesus wasn't gone. He was outside of the cave. He had risen. So watch what happened here. In verse number 13, and they, the angel said to the woman, why weepest thou? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself and looked back and saw Jesus standing. That's why I told you it this morning. I think the greatest thing that people have to understand in the word of God is they don't know the difference between Jesus and Christ. Jesus is the natural man. Christ is the resurrected man. See, you have the spirit of Christ. The word Christ means the son of the living God. That's why he said in Matthew 16, 13, when he told his disciples, who do men say I the son of man am, Peter? Matthew 16, 13 and down to verse 18. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. See, you could not be a son of the living God without the spirit of Christ. The spirit of Christ in you makes you a son of the living God. So now what you have to understand is it's a difference between Jesus and Christ. Now Jesus rose from the dead as he said he would. Acts chapter 1 verse 9, Jesus went up into the heavens. And the two angels that you're talking about right now were right there dressed in white watching him leave. Because they had to go with him. Because they had to guard the way of the tree of life. That's the tree of life. That's why the Bible says in James, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above, from the Father of lights, in whom is no variable, neither shadow turning. So everything you have comes from above. But you got to understand how that works. In the old covenant, everything has been finished. That's why in your prayer, you don't have to ask God for anything. You need to thank him. As a matter of fact, he has given you all things. Ephesians 1 and 3 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly place in Christ. He's given you everything that the Son has. The Father has given you everything that the Son owned. It's all yours. But you have to understand that's what being a son means. But you got to know who you are. So God waits on us to, to, to act like he is, walk like he is, talk like he is, be who we supposed to be his son, and everything else comes into our lives. He put everything in your, your path. See, the Old Testament told us that everything he put is in your path. If you stay in the right path, you walk into all the things that God has. All right, now watch this here. So she, she, she didn't know who he was, but in verse number, verse, she didn't know it was Jesus. She saw him standing there in verse 14, but knew not that it was Jesus. Verse 15, he said to her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? Watch what the Bible said. She supposed him to be the gardener. How many know he was? But the thing about it is, he wasn't working in that garden. But he is the gardener. As a matter of fact, you are God's garden. Guess where God works? It's God who worketh in you both the will and the do of his good pleasure. Why do they say that? Because you're the garden. He works in his garden. Amen. That's why some of y'all, you feel the presence of the Lord in the cool of the day. And you, oh man, I can feel the presence. Yeah, he, he lives there, you know. All right. And then in verse number 21, Jesus said to her again, peace be unto you as my father has sent me 
Even so, I'm in another book. All right. She said, Mary, in verse 16, she's turned herself and said, Rabboni, that is to say, Master, touch me not. I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I ascend to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Now, I asked you this morning, where was Jesus? Remember, we talked about Jesus. Jesus is the uh, uh, fullness of the Godhead bodily. He's a person. He's a real man. I say he's 6'3", 230. What about you? <laughs> see, when you see the outward part of Jesus, he's a real man. He's the manifestation of the Godhead bodily. But Christ is the spirit that lives in you. So if you're waiting on Jesus to come, he's not in your dispensation. You know, God would have to change the whole dispensation to get Christ, Jesus to come in here, to come in our dispensation. Why? Because you have Christ. It's just like having the Holy Spirit, but still you want the Father. God don't play up with yourself as this stuff. You just agree with one who you got. All right, now let's move on. Now that's the Trinity. But we're going to go inside the ark today. Somebody said we're going inside. Now, the first thing we're going to see inside is the word. All right. Now, we saw that. Let's go back to Genesis. You guys have a seat again. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to get you back up again. Let's go back to. You all all right with that? Yeah. Okay. Let's go back. Jeremiah and Noah. Pretty good. Now, watch the first thing he's going to put. In. I'm going to give you more teaching on this. Uh, in Exodus 24 and verse 12. Remember I read that to you. You're going to put the table of stone in the ark. That's the first thing. Now, why, why do God want to put the word in there first? Ooh, somebody said, ooh. Why did God put the word in there first? God wants you to learn this stuff and know how it works. Okay, so the first thing, let's go to uh, uh, number one. Exodus chapter 25, and we looked at verse 16 already, but let's go down to verse 21 and 22. Exodus 25. I just showed you Exodus 24 and 12 where he put the, he gave him the table of stone to put in the temple. All right, that's the first thing. Let's show you one more. Exodus 25, 21. Exodus 25, 21. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above the ark, and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony. Did everybody see the testimony? That's the Bible. Well, I really didn't see it on that side. Y'all see the testimonies? Okay, y'all looking at y'all Bibles now, right? All right. And thou shalt, thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark, but in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. Somebody said that's the tables of stone. All right. And there would I meet with you. Now, you have to understand something. God met with them over the ark. God didn't meet with them anywhere they want to meet with you. See, people don't realize why you need to be here. This is a meeting place. This is where God can meet you. And people don't understand that. Coming together, God can meet you. Isn't that what you do with other folk when they come to church? All right, that's what he want to do, meet you. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above the ark, and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give them, and there will I meet you, and watch this, I will commune with you. Now that will commune with you is share my thoughts with you. See, when you come here, doesn't God share his thought with you? Sure he does. He, he knows what's on your mind, he wants you to know what's on his mind. See, when I minister, I'm telling you what's on God's mind. He tells me and I tell you. That's how it works. I will give you pastors, right? I will communion with you there from above the mercy seat. All right. Now we saw that. We saw the mercy seat represent God's forgiveness. But let's go and look at another. Now the first thing is the testimony. Let's look at uh, Exodus 32, 15. This is going to be the last one. Exodus chapter 32 and verse number 15. Just one verse. 
And Moses turned, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Remember the first one he already, they already broke. Moses turned and went down from the mountain and the two tables of the testimony was in his hand. The tables were written on both sides, on one side and on the other they were written. And the tables were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God graven upon the tables. Now here's Moses coming back down with the tables. What did he put the table? In the ark. Why did he put the tables in the ark first? Why did God give him the word first? I'm going to show you. Let's go to, chapter, let's go to the second thing. Now, the first thing I gave you was a testimony. If you keep your notes, you want to put that down. All right, those are two tables of stone. That's the word of God. Put that in the ark. Now, everything he put in the ark was to cover. They could not forgive sins in the old covenant, so they had to cover them. See the ark of the covenant? See those things in there? You got a pot of manna? Y'all help me out. I understand if you... See, he really digging to get this stuff for you. And all I ask you, do you see it? All right, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, see, the, see those things in there. There's a pot of manna, and you got the table. See, see in there? And then you got a rod. See that long rod? So those are three things. I'm, I'm going over them right now. All right? Now. Thank you. Amen, lights. All right, Exodus. I'm giving you the second thing, is the bread. That's the manna. Let's go to Exodus chapter 16. Now, the, the manna was put in everything. They put the word in there because the people rebelled against the word. See, everything Israel rebelled against, God put in there. It was three things. They had three temptations. That's why you have Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 through 11, which I'm not going to be able to get into. Jesus Christ came and he fulfilled the three temptations. Satan tempted him three times. Eve fell because of the temptation. And eventually Adam failed because of the temptation. And then when, Je when, when, when Jesus came, the children of Israel failed because of the temptation in the wilderness. They were tempted three times. So when they were tempted because of the word, why? Because when God brought the word back to them, what were they doing? You watch the Ten Commandments sometime, don't you? They were worshiping idols. They had a golden calf. These be your gods, O Israel. So God gave them the tablets of stone, put them in the ark because they had rebelled against the word. So the second thing they rebelled against was the manna. That's the bread. Now the word manna, bread, I'm going to show you, is the doctrine. It's what? It's the doctrine. It's the, it's the doctrine. So when God gave you bread, it's for doctrine. People take the bread off the table and say, we're supposed to eat the bread. They will sooner eat the bread, they hold their finger up and go home. See, you still didn't want the doctrine. You just want to eat some bread and drink some wine. All right. Now, Exodus chapter number, what, 16? Ain't that right? Exodus 16 and verse 1. I won't take long. I just want to make sure you get something. I got eight minutes less. In verse number one. Let's just show you the verse. You can look at the rest this afternoon. Let's go to verse 11. Let's skip down to verse 11. We know it said in verse four, the Lord said, I would rain down bread from heaven. That's what God did. Okay, look at verse number 11. And the Lord said to Moses, I've heard the murmuring of the children of Israel. Speak to them, saying, And even you shall eat flesh. In the morning you're going to be filled with bread, and you shall know that I'm the Lord your God. See, they had murmured. Can God prepare a table for us in the wilderness? See, they complain us. So God rained down bread for them to eat, and then he, then he blew. How many of you here know what a quail is? Wait a minute. I, I, I know my boy down in t Tennessee there, Mike, know. How many, how many know what a quail is? I'm, quail is, 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 is a small hen, bird, but it looked like a little hen. All right. Uh, how many ever ate Cornish hens? See, you probably eating quail, don't know it, but anyway. Well, anyway, I'm giving you some kind of idea. That's, that's what a, oh, oh, oh. it's a little smaller than that, a little smaller than that, but those are quails. Most people go hunting with gone. They have a little, they have a little dog that, they have a little tail, and he found that, he peep, point like that, and he stick his tail up like that. 
and the man know he's right there. That dog's not going to pass. I'm my lying guys in front. That dog's not going to pass. That man got the gun, so he get his thing, and that, that, that dog take another step, and that thing go up in the air, he go, pow! See, they, they do that up in Orion a lot. I used to drive a bus all up there, near Trent. All right, they do a lot of, lot of hunting like that up there. All right, now let's move on, because that's the bread. All right, bread to eat. So God fed them bread manna. Now in verse number 15, I'm sorry, 14, that's why I am. Exodus chapter 16, verse 14. And when the Jew that was, upon, was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there was a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost, on the ground, like snow. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, it's manna. They wished not what it was, so they just said, manna. They gave him a name. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord God has given you to eat. All right, remember that bread was, was, the, was a doctrine, said a doctrine. Right, and that's what we have to understand. Uh, Matthew 16, let's look at Matthew 16. Matthew 6, Exodus 16, 32. Yes, man. All right, let's go to verse 31, because I want to show you what they say keep it at. Let's go to Exodus 16, 31. I'm going to show you what they're supposed to keep. They're supposed to, supposed to, they're supposed to keep the manna. They had to put it up. Exodus 16, 31. Verse 31 says, And the house of Israel called the name of their manna. It was like coriander seed. It was white. The taste of it was like wafer made with honey. Don't sound like it was bad, huh? But they complained. Now they didn't have anything to eat. So God gave them cinnamon roll. No, I just said that. Honey bun. Oh, my God. And they still complain. And verse number 32, how many ever had a honey bun? That's good, ain't it? Don't buy me no honey bun. I got enough. And, and Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord commanded. Fill one omer and keep it for your generation. Put it up. And that they may see the bread wherewith I fed you in the wilderness. Watch this when I brought you out from, from the land of Egypt. And verse 32, and Moses said to Aaron, take a pot, put an omer full of manna therein, lay it up before the Lord, and be kept for your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron, he laid it up before the testimony. So he put the bread in there with the testimony, and it stayed 40 years. And verse 35 said, And the children of Israel did eat manna 40 years until they came to a land inhabited. They didn't eat manna until they came to the borders of the land of Canaan. Now watch this, what happened. They took the, this is not manna, now this is my water, right? But they put this in there for the word. They put real manna that died because it represents the burial of Christ. What it represents what? The burial. So they had three things in there. The first thing they had was the testimony. The testimony, so you have the word John 14 and 6. So I don't have enough time to go through them and give it to you. John 14 and 6 means I am the way, the, the truth, and the life. That's what the testimony is. I am the way. The word is the way. That's why if you read the Old Testament, it, it'll tell you that the word is the way. And everything that you, if you lost your way, you lost the word. Because that's what the word does, is direct your step. People don't want the word lost. It's the word that shows you your way. Amen? Now, and the, and the next thing is the truth. Now, that's what the bread is. So you have I am the way, the truth, the life. You want to know what they go to? I'm showing it to you. The three things is in the heart. The way is the testimony of the word. The truth is the word, I mean, sorry, is the bread or the manna or the doctrine. I'm not going to be able to go to that. I'm going to give it to you. Matter of fact, I just gave it to you, didn't I? Matthew 16, 5 through 12. I'm not going to be able to go through it now. I don't have the time. That's the doctrine. Jesus' disciples was asking him about the bread, and we have bread left over. He said, man, I wasn't talking to you about bread. I was talking about doctrine. See, we are hung up on the bread. God not talking about bread. He's talking about the doctrine. talking about the truth. Old, all these Old Testament types and shadows. All right. 
And then the third thing I want to show you is Aaron Rod that budded. I'm showing you what they are. Number chapter 17, verse 1. Let's go there quickly. Number chapter 17, verse 1. So I'm not going to be able to read all that. Number chapter 17 and verse 1. That, I'm, I'm just going to talk about that one. I'm not going to have the time. Number chapter 17. If I go back to Exodus, God gave Moses a rod. God gave Moses three miracles. You read them in Exodus chapter 3, okay? Uh, uh, he gave him three miracles. Told him when he go to Pharaoh, the first thing he do is, what's in your hand, Moses? Moses has a rod. He said, throw it down the ground. It's turned into a snake, serpent. Moses ran. Of course, you would have too. <laughs> and he said, no, 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 go back. Catch it by the tail. Now, he's in the presence of God up on the mountain when God first called him in the burning bush. So he went back. He caught him by the tail. And he said, now, he held it up, turned into a rod. Oh, Okay. That was hard. So that's what this is. So God changed into the rod of God. Now, he's going to keep that rod throughout his ministry. The second thing God did, told him, put his hand into his bosom. These are the three miracles. See, everything is three is death, death, and resurrection. So he told him to, you see, watch, you see the, the barrier. Put your hands in your bosom. He put his hands in his bosom. And guess what happened? It turned to leprosy. A leprosy hand. Then he took his hand out. He, now he's like, oh, my God. That was God, but, you know, oh, my God. Get it? And then it was leprosy. So he said, put it back in your hands again. He put it back in his in clothes again, and he brought it out. It was back. So God showed him two signs. Now, this is how God dealt with the prophet. The third thing God did with him was take the water and pour it on the ground. They don't believe them first two miracles. Just take the water. Now we, you show Aaron take his staff, stick in the water. All oh, that's fine. You know. But he took the water that he had and he poured it on the ground. As he poured it on the ground, he poured it in the, in, the, in the Nile River and everything turned to blood. See, he's he going to eventually, he, those were three miracles he gave. Eventually he was, took the rod and put it in, put in the water. All that he did happen. But so you have to understand those were miracles. So Aaron Rod was in Numbers chapter 17. That's the last thing I'm going to tell you. In Numbers chapter 17, Aaron had a rod. That's the same rod that God gave Moses when he came to his ministry. Now, if you ever watch Ten Commandments, this is what you'll see. You'll see my one-time brother. When Pharaoh take him out there on that chariot, and he have to leave, and he walked through the wilderness, he give him a ration of water, and throw the rod on the ground, and say, my one-time brother. You used to use this rod. See, all that's, all that's Hollywood. God gave Moses a rod when he got back in the mountain. All right, when he met God. All right, but anyway, all that stuff is fine. So we have to see what God did. So when you see numbers, that, that same rod that he had, now was called the rod of God. Aaron used to do all his miracles. So that was in the camp. They had 12 tribes. And they didn't know who God was speaking through no more. So God wanted to let them know who his man is. The one I gave the power and authority to, bring your rods. So everybody, every 12 tribes of Israel, they wrote their names on the rods. Moses, Aaron was the head of Levi. Also Moses was a Levite. But Aaron took the rod and wrote his name on it. And he put it in the ark. So now you got the word in the ark. You got the man in the ark. Now you got Aaron Rod. Now, God is showing you what the word does in your life. First of all, it keeps the bread from molding. Only reading the bread didn't mold 40 years. Think now how it is was in the desert. 40 years in a box and the bread never molded. Because it was in there with the word. Uh, see, you're going, see, you're going around trying to find out how to keep from aging by missing church. You need to find where the word is. Get in the in there on that word, and it will keep you from aging fast. It's slowing down. That's what it did with the word. It's not only that. I'm not talking about. I'm talking about the Bible says. 
Not only did he put the bread in there, he put Aaron's rod. You cannot bring forth fruit without the word. Aaron's rod didn't have no fruit in it. He put it in the ark. And, uh, and he stayed in there, and they stayed in there a few days. They went back and they said, okay, let me show you how you're going to know God's rod. Aaron's rod had a name on it. They took it out. It had blossom. It had flowers. It had almonds on the ark. And he took it out. Why did it have almonds, I asked God. See it on the thing up there? Why did it have almonds? I'll tell you why it had almonds. Well, Jeremiah. Chapter 1, verse 11. Go to on the screen. I'll show you why I had almonds. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 11 and 12 told us why I had almonds. When God asked Jeremiah, what did he see? See, you have to understand the word of God. The word of God will keep you if you will get it. See, stop going by so many folks who don't want to go to church, don't want the word, and they, want, they don't want, the, just stay there. They just got one server, they want to come in, hit, miss, and go. Don't worry about them. My wife and I are your examples. Now, if you don't think God will keep us, just look at us. We've been pastoring for 37 years and never missed one service. Unless we couldn't get back on a vacation, that's only happened one time because we don't do that no more. Monday through Friday, that's out. No weekends. I got to be here. The word of God will keep you alive. This woman right here, she used to tell me all the time. This is my mother right here. She's my homegirl. We graduated from the same school in Mississippi. Greenville, Mississippi. Old Bannon Greenways. Probably why she got a little green on there. But <laughs> I said to her when she came here, she always used to say, mothers come here all the time. I got plenty of mothers in this church. They said, oh, pastor, I'm not going to be around long. I said, you ain't going nowhere. Why do you think God sent you here? If, if, God, if God wants you, he's not going to put you somewhere with a word. I don't know. I don't know. I got another mother sitting over there. I don't know if she remember one Sunday. She came in here and God told me, he said, you need to go over there and lay hands on that woman. That's one of your mothers. She's going through something in her body right now. I don't know if you knew it. Haven't seen that and ain't seen nothing else. She ain't missed a service. See, you got to understand something. That's why I pray for you every day, every morning. I can, God will. But I want to be an example for you. And I know you got a report. You don't know, I know the, the twins back there. The one that yelled in the striper right there, them twins. My sisters. But see, she don't know, I pray for her. See, you all don't come out here telling you everything I'm doing. But when I hear God says something going on in you and you don't know about, I got a list on the top of one side with just names. And all these folks had things going on their bodies. Look, I've seen it. I, I know what God can do. It's the word. This brother told me this morning, my wife been going through something right here. Came here, stepped up in here this morning. Don't tell me what God can do, but it's the word. The word of God come to me just like I'm telling you. Jeremiah 1.11 is what I'm waiting on. Watch what God said to Jeremiah. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, the word came to Jeremiah. This is what the word of God said to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, what seest thou, Jeremiah? Jeremiah the prophet. God asked Jeremiah, what did he see? Because that's how God give you the word. He give you the word a lot of time in your sleep. When sometimes you don't even know what's going on and God shows it to you. Then he asks him, what do you see? Jeremiah said, I see an almond tree. Wonder where it was. He saw an almond tree. I see a rod bearing almonds. A, almond, a rod of almonds. He's, where did he see it at? He saw it in the ark. God allowed him to see what was in here. And then after he could see it, 
Then God said to Jeremiah, I will hasten my word to perform it. What you see is what I can do. God can't do nothing for you if nobody can see it. So when you go back and read 1 Samuel, they started out with a blind priest. He couldn't see. The light was gone out in the temple. He had to have a man who can see. That's why you have Samuel. If you don't have a pastor who can see spiritually, the church would die with no vision. My time is up. I thank you for yours. My prayer is God will keep you alive. I'm going to be here by the grace of God. Now this is mine. This is me. For more than 100 years. Now you can, you can hang around with the 70 and out crowd. Or you can come go with me to the 120 crowd. But I want to see the goodness of the Lord. Come on, get on your feet. I want to see my children's children and my children's children. I have sons and daughters. My wife and I have been married 54 years coming up. We have children. We have grandchildren. We got great-grandchildren. And guess what? We got great-great already. But we thank God. But you got to understand something. It's the Word. The Word of God will keep you. But you're going to have to stay in that Word. Stay under that word. Find a church that preached the word. And the word of God will keep you, will keep you from falling and present you faultless before his throne with exceeding joy to the only wise God. Be glory and honor, majesty and praise from henceforth and forever and forever. Christ died for your sins. He'd been buried and God raised him from the dead. You need to believe on that. That's how he will save you. Everything you need is in Christ. Christ is the new ark. In Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. His death, his burial, his resurrection. You get Christ in you, he will bring you back to life in Christ. All is made alive. My time is up. I thank you for yours. And the door of faith is open unto you. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.